welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, I'm happy to be here with uh, Stephen and Thomas and hey, Johnny, and they are all brothers. And we're here to talk about uh, guns this morning because I've noticed that it's a topic that they're very uh, interested in, very passionate about. And I'd like to find out um, more about that. So uh, I guess we'll just start with um, how did this all get started for you as far as, um, you know, feeling strongly about guns, having an interest in guns and uh, that type of thing? Well, um, I guess I can start. Sure. Hey, um, I'm Stephen. Good morning. <laughs> Good to see you guys today. Uh, yeah. Uh, so firearms were always kind of a, a cool thing. Nothing, nothing like, um, nothing different, you know, I'd say as a kid from, um, any other interests, you know, dinosaurs or sports cars, um, you know, was never, um, never kind of, a a a separate or a different kind of a, uh, kind of a thing, you know, just sort of inanimate, you know, like any other, any other object. I didn't realize there was such a, um, a stigma, um, you know, culturally. Um, and I think that that, um, that's something I, I started to understand as I grew up. Um, but, um, but yeah, just, you know, you see guns in the movies. Um, I, I knew, you know, from a young age, my, you know, members of my family would go hunting in the fall. Um, so, you know, I occasionally saw a firearm and I'm like, you know what, when I, when I grow up, I'm going to do that too. Um, so, um, yeah, kind of, kind of just uh you know an organic uh hey guns are a cool thing you know like i said just just like you know seeing seeing uh movies about military or um you know secret agents or whatever you know i'm like hey guns are a you know another another tool um and you know something that is something that you get to do when you're a grown up, you know, like I, you know, maybe someday I'll have my own motorcycle and I did that too. So <laughs> like, uh, um, you know, things like that. So yeah, I, I think they've, they've always just been kind of a cool, uh, you know, something to look up to as a kid that, that is attainable, you know, not everybody can, uh, not everybody can drive, an indie car, you know, not everybody can go 200 miles per hour around a, a racetrack. Um, you know, not, not everybody can, uh, you know, jump out of airplanes or, um, you know, whatever cool thing, you know, you think as a kid, you're not, ne- I'm never going to meet a dinosaur. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably never going to go to the moon. Um, but, uh, but you know, I can, I can, uh, get my own, rifle you know i can i can dial it in and hit a target at you know a quarter mile away whatever you know that that kind of thing is is uh, really cool really fascinating um you know there's a lot of little technical things involved um 
you know, I got into building guns, um, mostly, uh, um, AR-15 pattern rifles. I've built a couple of those. Um, you know, it's just fun to kind of customize, you know, not a, a, uh, a good, uh, a good analogy. is like, it's a, it's like a Barbie doll, but for, uh, men. <laughs> so, and it's a lot cheaper than, you know, jacking up a truck or restoring an old car. Um, you know, you can restore a firearm for a couple hundred dollars. Um, and so, you know, several hours of your time versus, you know, spending, uh, months and thousands of dollars to, you know, restore a car. And to me, they're kind of on the same level, just as cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just as dangerous, uh, just as, you know, of a interesting hobby. Um, but, uh, but yeah. So how about one of you guys? Um, yeah, this, as a kid, you know, you pick up a stick and it's like, all right, this is a gun, you know, or yeah, we had hockey sticks and we'd pretend they were guns or oh, yeah. the next day we'd pretend they were swords. But, uh, yeah, it was just as a, just a part of being, being a boy, you know? Uh, and yeah. And then you watch different shows or read different, you know, comics and stuff. And, and, uh, they're just cool, you know? Uh, yeah, I I remember. So there are a, a couple things I think to understand where we're coming from here. One of them is um, our mom was really so we're we're all homeschooled for a bit of context here. Um, our mom was really good about reading us history, um, mm-hmm. and that's probably one of the things that I appreciate most about <laughs> our homeschool education was just the the awesome education and history that we got, um, and. What I found, one of the most interesting things I found about uh, that history was the history of warfare uh, and conflict and how that's shaped uh, human civilization. Um, and so that's that's also part of being a boy, I think, is is that that like interest in conflict and combat. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that then morphed into um, maybe a little bit extra of that, like we you know, enjoying playing with army men and, and like war games and, you know, cowboys and Indians, whatever it is, uh, politically incorrect thing <laughs> involving, you know, mock combat of some kind, um, with some kind of weapon, but probably, you know, some kind of mock firearm because those are some of the greatest weapons ever, you know, invented or imagined. Um, from there, my first, uh, I think, I think we got into airsoft first. We had before because we had like a few nerf guns at different points. Right. But the coolest, the some of the coolest stuff we did was, was airsoft and we still do. So uh, if you don't know what airsoft is, uh, basically airsoft is, you might know what paintball is. It's like paintball, but way better um, to where you can have, you can have very realistic looking uh, simulation uh, weapons, you know, rifles, pistols, uh, whatever. And uh, they fire a six millimeter plastic uh, round pellet. Yep. Just like that. that one right there. <laughs> nice. They're really, really fun. And there's, you know, a bunch of different kinds that work on, on different uh, <laughs> principles uh, on the internals. Um, they're really cool. But the, I mean, you have some that'll fire very similar to real firearms as far as they'll, they'll be a bolt action um, or they'll be, uh, you know, a semi-automatic or fully automatic uh you know, so you can you can get a really cool experience from using these. And then, of course, we'd use them to shoot each other, <laughs> and we would we would, uh, you know, do 
play airsoft against our friends. And that was super, super, super fun. I loved that. I still love that. Um, it's just fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was, that was a big part for me definitely. And, and still is as far as my enthusiasm for, <laughs> for guns. Um, and then, so b- beyond that, I also, I really like gear. <laughs> I, I like working on things and learning how they work. Um, and, and messing with stuff, uh, on the inside, you know? So, and, and, you know, I really like tools and weapons are just a subset of tools and firearms are just a subset of, of weapons. So I'm very much into that. And then, uh, as far as my first actual, um, experience with, with real firearms, I, I remember, I think this was my first experience, um, was there was a, some, boy scout event going on where they were getting their their uh some merit badge for uh rifle and so we went out to a range with a bunch of you know 22 rifles and did some plinking uh you know learned the basics of of firearm safety and you know got to put that into practice and that was so much fun (laughs) i loved that so much and then uh sometime after that we also did uh we also did some trap shooting trap and uh, yeah we just did trap shooting um you know, shooting clay pigeons with a shotgun. Super, super fun. <laughs> um, and competitive. So, yeah, that's that's my experience and interest in firearms. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we all share that that experience. Um, you know, we all have a different, a little bit different perspective. Um, but, yeah, we all have roughly the same experience, uh, you know, childhood-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's... Yeah, that's us. That's the bulky voice. <laughs> so I can understand that experience and that um, draw toward guns like it could be a truck or it could be something else. But guns are just one of those things that um, it is for you guys and interest. Um, but then guns gets more kind of complicated because um, there's a political <laughs> element to guns too now like uh, Stephen you were you mentioned that you didn't realize the stigma associated with guns when you were growing up but you know now it, obviously there you know you do understand kind of like the the political feelings that different groups have toward guns so mm-hmm. did that um heighten uh your interest in guns um just any of y'all um, and want and make you want to be even more involved in in the issue of of guns and being involved with them and and so forth or or did it change your interest in guns so that you're still interested but maybe in different ways now or you know and how did um, that political awareness change things for you guys? Well, for me, um, I definitely feel like, um, it, it kind of, you know, I had, I had more of a passive interest politically, um, in the, you know, if, if, if there, I guess you could call it a debate. It's more like a, a, a misunderstanding <laughs> I feel, um, than it is a debate. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I, I probably, 
I probably would be still more passively interested if it wasn't for um, some of the some of the political things. I think a lot of um, uh, a lot of my interest in building rifles uh, was you know stemmed from a um, you know kind of a, I don't know if I'd call it libertarian maybe um, of a idea of you know, you're never going to take it away if I could build it myself, you know, kind of a, kind of a thing. Um, I remember I, I wasn't, I didn't really take interest in, um, semi-automatic rifles. I was more into, you know, pistol marksmanship and things like that until, um, after the, um, Sandy Hook tragedy and they were, you know, all these rifles were flying off the shelves, um, that I thought, you know what, maybe I should just buy one of these. Um, you know, so I did probably double what it was worth at the time, but, uh, you know, I bought my first AR-15 after, after that point. Um, and then, you know, got a little more interested in the advocacy. Um, I think I, I joined the NRA at the time, um, which that's changed a little bit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that's just something where, you know, you're coming of age. I, I was, that was the first year I voted, um, and I think that was a, uh, that was a midterm election, um, that I, you know, I was, I was 19 years old, I believe. Um, so th- that all kind of happened the same year. It's more of a culmination of, of just maturity and, uh, um, you know, being, paying attention to current events, um, that, that kind of, you know, piqued my attention. Um, so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a yes and no. I think it probably would have happened anyway. Um, you know, just just because previously I wouldn't have been able to afford stuff. I wasn't working a job. I was just you know high schooler <laughs> um, that thought guns were cool. So mm-hmm. um, having you know being able to uh, buy your own cool things, whatever it is, um, you know, kind of kind of raises your awareness mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, just you gotta you got to go try something before you understand it. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, yeah. Johnny or Thomas, does the political nature of guns, um, has that kind of drawn you more into it, gotten you more involved or changed just your relationship with the whole interest in guns? Yeah. Uh, nothing drives gun sales more than politics. I feel like, um, and that was true for me. I, I bought my first two guns uh, right before the Defund 2016 the election. Um, and uh, yeah, just as things have progressed, like it has uh, kind of pushed me to do more research and uh, learn more and then teach others to because there's just so much misinformation and a lot of uh the political stuff is based off of misinformation and based off of misunderstandings. And so now I'm in a position where like I, I learn more and then I also want to help other people learn more so that they can see, you know, the foolishness of this or that. And so that they can, uh, uh, they can know more about guns too and have be responsibly informed. Um, <clears throat> so it is definitely, and there's just so much I, I would not like in the last year I've learned and researched way more about guns and the issues surrounding them than any other 
time in my life. So I, I would say it definitely has played a role for me. Okay. I, I would agree very much. <laughs> I think depending on what you choose to do with it, controversy is extremely healthy as long as you go in a healthy direction with it. And there's been tons of controversy uh, around firearms. So for me, anything, <laughs> anything where there's an argument, um, I pretty much get interested, even if it's something that doesn't affect me. <laughs> I really like argument, <laughs> I like listening to people argue. And I don't mean like nasty argue. I mean, like actually thoughtfully argue. Um, I, I love it so much. Uh, so you take something like guns, you know, something that I already enjoy and you add some amount of controversy to it. It just makes it that much more interesting to mm -hmm. me. Um, to see, okay, what are other people's thoughts and perspectives on this? Um, you know, but, but also there's, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit of a contrarian. <laughs> so if I see somebody attacking something, I immediately feel the need to defend it. <laughs> even if I don't, even if I would have never defended it, if I see someone attacking something, like I feel the need to be that person to like balance it out, like, well, to be fair. <laughs> so um, and then on top of that, also, I, I really, there are a few things that I despise as much as um, misinformation and uh, willful ignorance. Um, and unfortunately, there's a lot of that around anything political. But when you get to something like firearms, where there's a lot of emotion tied up in it, too, um, understandably so then yeah, there's, there's so much misinformation and there's so much emotion and so much clouded thinking. Um, so that just gets me into it so much more like, okay, that means am I clouded in my judgment and my thinking, you know, um, am I misinformed? So now I want to learn more. And then when I do learn more, you know, who can I, who can I go and share this with? Who can I, who can I talk about this with? So yeah, the, the controversy around firearms, definitely definitely gets me more into it okay well we'll get into some of the misunderstanding that you guys have mentioned but first just to kind of move us in that direction um what's the big issue politically like how would you put it or in a nutshell like what is so important about the issue of guns um from a political perspective um would you say, how would you say it? I think I would frame it in, you know, simply, um, it's, it's not necessarily about firearms. It's about the ability to protect yourself the way you want to, you know, I think the ability to defend yourself, um, or to feel safe, I think that is a basic human right. Um, and, when we have freedom, you know, if we're, if we're a self-governing society, um, a, um, you know, a society of people that takes responsibility for ourselves, uh, then that's, that's kind of the, the high ground, if you will. Um, you know, some people may not see it that way, but I, I think that's why one of the reasons, um, the ability to, own a firearm was enshrined in the bill of rights 
um, was that the founders understood that the ability to protect yourself um, is a basic human right. Um, so I think it, once you start to deviate from that, um, you know, and we have to understand that freedom is a is a messy thing. Um, it's never going to be uh, it's never going to be perfect, but it puts the responsibility on the individual. Um, so, and that's something hard for a society that's starting to lose um, a sense of uh, responsibility, a sense of, you know, whatever you want to call it, self-worth, a sense of, um, uh, you know, personal, um, personal responsibility, um, you know, a lot, a lot of things, you know, moral, moral judgment, um, you know, things that are, things that are getting weaker, um, make some of these ideas, uh, of, you know, gun control or, or any kind of government control of a thing more, um, acceptable or feasible, I suppose, um, you know, to a general society. But yeah, really the bottom line is if, if uh, protecting yourself is a human right, a basic human right, you know, such as free speech, then um, you're, you know, hindering that, um, especially, you know, something that is legally protected like firearms. Um, that's a problem. So. Okay. So, the, yeah, the bottom line is the freedom to defend yourself in the way you see fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and guns really, they're not about target shooting. That's a hobby. Mm -hmm. They're not about hunting. You know, there's other ways to, you know, you can, you can trap something, you can use a bow. Um, it's, you know, it's not about collectors. Um, even though that's cool, it's really where it's most important is being able to protect yourself, um, as an individual. So, that's and and you know not to mention uh, in the in the Bill of Rights, um, it's it's not a it's not a right that is given to us in the Bill of Rights. The point of that document is to say, uh, you know, place a stop sign for the government in front of various things. You know, the the Congress shall not. Uh, let's see, craft any law that, that, uh, you know, hinders the ability to speak freely, um, or, you know, the, um, the wording is, is always, um, kind of negatively framed as far as, you know, the government is concerned where, you know, basically it's just putting up a firewall, like, Hey, you can't touch this. You can't touch free speech. You know, you can't touch, uh, you know, people's, uh, right to bear arms or to keep and bear arms. Um, you know, it's not a, the bill of rights is not a, here you go. You're allowed to do this individual, you know, mm -hmm. it's not, uh, it's not something that's, that's giving us permission. It's, uh, it's basically protecting us from the government, you know, where I think most people see it now is you have the, right now we have the permission to vote right now. We have the permission to, you know, use public roadways, you know, if you have a driver's license, things like that. There, there are things that are privileges 
as a citizen um, that some people mistake for being a human right. Um, but there's human rights like free speech, you know, the ability to protect and defend yourself um, that are human rights that the, you know, the Bill of Rights, you know, the have, you know, the founders attempted to protect those from the government coming in and um, infringing upon. Mm-hmm. And the key idea here is the the difference between rights that pre-exist government <coughs> and, and government existing to protect those rights versus government uh, granting rights. So we, mm-hmm. we are very much strongly on the side of, of rights pre-exist government and government exists to, to protect those rights. And that's, that's the idea of a republic um, versus a democracy is you, you have um, rights that are recognized and set out uh, that protect everyone, not just the majority, but the minority as well. Um, so that's, that's one of the things that's very special and different about America <laughs> is, is in the American experiment of, of government is the fact that we've recognized rights and set those rights ahead of government um, mm-hmm. and, and put government underneath that. Well, just to kind of speak for the other side, like a devil's advocate or something, I think uh, there's the other side of this political issue would not um, say that they are against a person protecting themselves, but they would like to, uh, but guns are used for more than protecting yourself. You know, guns are used for crime and for, um, you know, a lot of things that we don't advocate. Um, And from their perspective, and this might be getting into like some of the misunderstanding and things that you guys have mentioned, uh, from their perspective, um, it might be thought that if guns could just be limited or if there could be fewer guns, then perhaps there would be... a less need to protect oneself. Um, and, but anyway, I, I think that the protecting oneself is not what people would make a case against, but they would make a case against the other things that are done with guns. So um, anyway, I don't know where yeah. to go from that. Right. So that, to, to go off of that. So um, president Biden, for example, and he, he just issued a, a handful of, um, executive actions, uh, or and one of the one of the claims he made uh, was that there is an epidemic of of gun violence, uh, and that was uh, and that he claimed that we are we are in an embarrassment uh, internationally, um, which now, is I would bold claims with to those things. <laughs> right it's bold claims to make what, what we um, but uh, that I think is kind of an encapsulation of the other side of, okay, um, we care about people, right? And we see that innocent people are dying at the hands of evil people. <laughs> at these, The tools these evil people are using are firearms. So uh, to protect the innocent and the vulnerable, um, which is part of the mandate of government <laughs> to restrain evil and to protect the good and the innocent, um, shouldn't we perhaps try and do away with firearms or, or at least limit them 
keep them out of the hands of bad people who are going to use them uh, to do bad things, which is sounds like a really great idea. You know, it's a it's a noble uh, it's a noble idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do I, I would agree with the assertion that there is there's been an increase in gun crime, but I think it's because of a, a ratio of an increase of violent crime in general in the last uh, 12 months. Um, that's, that's something that is, is obvious. So if you take it at a ratio uh, compared to the, you know, the, the increase in violent crime, there hasn't been an equal ratio of increase in gun crime within that ratio of violent crime. Does that make sense? Um, you know, so if, if, uh, you know, if we see violent crime in some cases increasing by 200, 300%, um, you know, in some of these cities, um, we don't see that same increase percentage wise in, uh, violent crime committed with firearms. You know, it has increased, but not on the same scale as crime in general has increased, um, you know, with, with, uh, um, you know, various other, uh, things going on politically, um, economically, um, you know, with, we've had, a, a summer full of riots and looting, um, lots of, uh, damage to property, um, you know, lots of, uh, victimizing. Um, and I think, you know, along with that, when you, when, when various jurisdictions have allowed, uh, people to, be crazy like that, you know, for a lack of a better term. Um, they've, they've kind of allowed in a sense, um, this kind of violent behavior. Um, you know, so you've had an increase in crime. Um, and with that, you know, comes, um, an increase in gun crime. Mm-hmm. So, I think to call it an, an, an epidemic because of firearms is, is kind of, uh, I guess, misgendering the problem. <laughs> you know, if, if there's a way, mm-hmm. uh, to, to explain it, it, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the firearms that caused the problem. You know, the, the problem is the crime. And like Thomas likes to say, you know, evil people are going to do evil things against, against innocent people. There's going to be victims created. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, it's not a problem we can solve by, by mandating a specific tool. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of crimes have been committed with, uh, cars and getaway drivers. Uh, A lot of crimes have been committed with knives and baseball bats. Um, and a lot of crimes have been committed with, uh, you know, computers and smartphones, you know, think identity theft. And, um, you know, a lot of crimes get committed with, uh, with uh, U.S. dollars, you know, so there's a lot of things that that we can put on the same level, but they're not the thing that is directly involved in, you know, let's say a person's death. You know that that happens because of a knife or you know because of a bullet that somebody is, you know, whether whether they have um, malicious intent or it's some kind of accident. Um, you know, that, that, uh, there's a responsibility for, you know, each of those, you know, let's say 
if it's a projectile, um, somebody had to choose to, um, you know, have that projectile at the wrong place at the wrong time um, for that to happen. If that makes sense, there's there's always a uh, a human element that seems to be forgotten or passed over. With you know, again, what is I think our our breakdown of uh, of personal responsibility that we're seeing mm-hmm. um, in in this country and in the world in general. Um, so, Johnny, uh, I'm just kind of thinking like back to your your question, like uh, if we kind of like if we limited guns, you know, maybe these these bad people wouldn't be able to do these things, or like. <laughs> You know, what if we just did away with guns completely? You know, you wouldn't need a gun to defend yourself if, if the bad guys didn't have guns. Um, like so the thing with laws is that like only law abiding people follow them. And it's like we already have by definition. <laughs> yeah. So like you you already have guns here in the US and, and a lot of the criminals already have them. So it's like and when they go to take away guns, unless you're gonna do door to door confiscation of guns which would be, you know, massively tyrannical. Uh, you basically have to get people to voluntarily give up their guns and the bad guys aren't going to do that. Only the law abiding citizens are. So like, uh, and we see in places like Mexico where they have pretty strict gun laws, the criminals are very, very, very heavily armed, better armed than the military actually (laughs) in some instances. And that's not the same in every country where they have, uh, gun control like Australia, but um, the fact is, like, only law abiding citizens abide by the laws. And you already see in these cases of mass shooting, they're willing to break the law and kill people. A, a law of, you know, limiting stabilizing braces on a firearm isn't going to stop them from doing that. And when you look in the UK, they have strict gun control over there. What has happened is that they're control on just weapons in general it just goes to the next step they you know guns are heavily regulated so criminals use uh screwdrivers and acid and pliers and now you have their police confiscating screwdrivers and pliers you can see different police departments in the uk posting on their twitter like we took these deadly weapons off the streets today and it's a bunch of household tools and knives that uh we have around our houses you know here in america um Mm -hmm. So it's like, first of all, the bad guys aren't going to comply. And if they do, like, you're just going to be going down this slippery slope of regulating further and further. Uh, so because the problem is not it's not a weapon problem. It's a it's a human problem. Mm-hmm. So am I entirely against any idea of any regulation of any kind whatsoever? No, but it doesn't solve the underlying human problem. Um, you know, as, as we're talking about the increase in violence and things, a big part of that has been, uh, well, <coughs> police not being allowed to do their job proactively <laughs> and, and police being crucified if they mess something up, um, which, you know, happens unfortunately um so it, it it really does come down to can you know given that human nature is is broken um and that we you know there are bad people who will do bad things to to other people 
Um, can we really trust individuals with with personal responsibility uh, when it comes to weapons? So, um, when it comes to like any attempt to to control guns, I guess is an attempt to manage the human problem that you're referring to. Mm-hmm. So, is it a better environment if, like in the UK? where people are committing crimes with knives rather than guns. Is that managing the human problem? Uh, I mean, is that a more ideal uh, scenario than, um, I know it would be really hard to get to that point in um, America. So there's kind of some practical (coughs) things, but for the UK, are they better off that they are confiscating screwdrivers rather than uh, guns, Mm -hmm. firearms? I mean, no, <laughs> I, 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 I would say I would say no. Now, from a political standpoint, you can you can you know hold up a PowerPoint and be like, "Look, we reduced this many gun deaths," mm-hmm. right? And that sounds like a victory, mm-hmm. doesn't it? And it really is. That's how that's how it's framed. Typically, is look, we 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 completely eliminated gun crime. Ta-da! You know, like like people say, "Hey, look, we completely eliminated the flu." Um, that's another issue, but, uh, but if you, if you have, um, if you, if you just shift the problem from one item to a different item to, to kind of, you know, gain some, some hoorays for yourself, it, uh, it really didn't solve the problem, did it? You know, we, we, we went from, you know, terrorists in the UK are using, rental vans and crashing into large crowds of people, um, you know, cause that's cheaper and faster than, you know, building incendiary devices or using firearms. Um, so the problem, the problems are still there. You know, people are, are still, um, threatened by violence. Um, but now they are less able to protect themselves. Um, People, people don't like to talk about the amount of, um, of uh, I mean, really, it, it disproportionately affects women, um, in my opinion. You, you can see where in the UK, the amount of sexual assault has been skyrocketing um, because the, what the firearm does is, is it puts you on an even playing field with your attack. It is one of the greatest uh, force multipliers ever. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you know, if somebody's bigger and they have if they have ambushed you, that's that's a different story. Um they, you know, the criminal element is always at an advantage because they are the actors and the victim is the reactor. Um but if all you have to do is point and squeeze, it 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 does not matter how big you are, how fast you can run. Um, you know, how good you are at, at fighting or, you know, how fast you can dial your phone, any, you know, your, your distance from law enforcement um, or the locks on your door, whatever it is, the equalizer is being able to, to, to point and squeeze and deal with a, a, an imminent threat. Um, And that takes personal responsibility still, but at least you know, you as an individual are empowered in that way to protect yourself. And 
it's something that yes, you do need training, um, but with with a little bit of understanding of you know some some simple mechanics and you know if you just have the recipe for for success, um, you feel more confident to protect yourself. Um, I've never been a woman, obviously. Um, I've, I've never been. I have been small. You know, I have. I've. I've been. Uh, I've been a little kid. I've been powerless. Um, but uh, you know, so I. I understand being. Um, being vulnerable, um, is, um, is a problem. You know, so making making people more vulnerable. Um, by taking away, you know, again, law-abiding citizens taking away their firearms, um, I don't think is the right approach. So, um, so like having uh, taking away firearms, um, you're you're making the case that there's still going to be crime. There's going to be running into people with uh, vehicles or acid or knives mm-hmm. and so forth. But I guess you're you you would you're making the case also that I think, or I'm uh, maybe by implication that there's going to be just as much much bloodshed as well. For example, crimes committed by guns or crimes committed by other ways, there's, um, it's not like a better scenario if without the guns, as far as the amount of damage done to human life, is that kind of mm-hmm. what you, are you guys on that, of that opinion as I, well? I would certainly agree uh, to where, like, like Stephen was saying, you know, especially for people, who, especially for women, um, it is really awesome to be able to defend yourself from someone who is larger and stronger than you, especially if there's multiple of them. <laughs> the number mm-hmm. of crimes prevented, the number of, of rapes, murders, robberies prevented because of law-abiding citizens using firearms is awesomely huge. (laughs) Um, that's something that's unfortunately not, not talked about much, um, and should be talked about more because we're talking about the overall society, societal cost of firearms, right? Um, in, let's say we had the power to just wave a magic wand and, and disappear all the firearms. Um, if we had that power, I would recommend against using it because I think the overall societal cost is, is, I think we come out on top as a society for having for having firearms mm-hmm. um, available to the general populace, um, because yes, it's it's an effective tool that everyone has access to. So that means the bad guys get them, <laughs> right? Um, but even if we could make sure, which I, I you can't, um, but let's say you could make sure the bad guys couldn't get them. Um, well, yeah, that means then you know how's grandma going to defend herself? Um, it's, I, I think the, the price you pay and we do pay a price. Um, it's, it's the, the arguments made that you, you can't have a mass shooting without guns. Well, that's true. Now you can, you can kill a lot of people very quickly with other things. Um, it's not actually that hard, believe it or not. Um, but the, the advantages to having the, the vulnerable being able to defend themselves is really, really awesome. And I think that's worth having. I believe it was 2019. The FBI released statistics for that year that um, armed civilians shot and killed more people in justified self-defense than uh, the police did. Hmm. Um, So as far as like 
people say, you know, just let the police protect you. You know, only police should have guns already. You're, you're, that's not a good picture. If you take away the guns from all those people who justified, were justified in defending themselves. <clears throat> so that, that statistic would potentially be reversed. If that makes sense. You would have had that many more victims of, <laughs> of uh, whatever violent crime. And that, um, that was only counting uh, where they killed somebody. There are, you know, I'm sure way more cases where simply pulling a gun, maybe the bad guy f- fled, maybe the bad guy was shot and maybe injured and recovered later. Uh, you know, if you add in those uh, instances as well, you get a, a much uh, larger picture. So mm-hmm. um, as far as some of this is a matter of scale, um, you're saying we're better off with firearms rather than knives. Well, is there any limit to like the uh, the f- scale of the firearm? For example, um, going up, you know, to AR type of weapons, automatic rifles, and is there any um, place where it just doesn't make sense anymore? Um, or is the sky the limit as far as y'all are concerned, as far as um, the power and uh, destructive potential um, that a weapon might have um, that someone should be able to possess and use? So this gets into a kind of um, some bigger questions beyond just, you know, self-defense from a robber. Because there's also uh, the question of, um, having weapons to defend yourself against, say, the government. Um, <clears throat> which is part I, of why we have the, the Second, Second Amendment, Amendment is to defend ourselves, not not just from each other, but from our own government. That it, That's part of the reason that was enshrined in the Bill of Rights. Because they had or, just... Or, or from another invading force. Yeah, right, or from another invading force. Um, so, because, so we are we are talking that the the I mean we we kind of mentioned this earlier, but to be very clear, uh, the Second Amendment is talking about military grade weapons. It's not talking about hunting rifles. It is, it is talking about f- effective arms. modern <laughs> military grade weapons. Because um, we had right. just nope. come out of fighting a war against the world's biggest superpower, and we won <laughs> with good weapons. <laughs> And so they wanted yeah, people so, to be able to do that again, whether it was an invading army or whether it was their own government. <clears throat> um, so as for where I would draw the line, I guess I don't think people should be able to own their own nukes. But uh, <laughs> at the time the second amendment was written, private citizens, there are private citizens that own their own warships or privateers. Hmm. Um so maybe I draw a line at say a tank, you know, we could have <laughs> tanks, but, uh, and that sounds like a joke, but, uh, if, if you look at, uh, uh, what happens in other countries when they disarm their populace, it may not be right away. It may be a decade or so down the road. They start, uh, killing their own people or they start, um, once the people lose their ability to defend themselves from the government, the government eventually comes around to, oh hey we can just trample these people and so right. you had in venice the individual begins to lose their advocacy yeah um our government is built with checks and balances the the founding fathers understood that because they had, they had just defeated a tyrannical government and like, we don't want this to happen again so we have checks and balances of 
different parts of the government keeping other parts of the government from becoming tyrannical. But you also have the people having the power to prevent the government from becoming tyrannical. Um, and so uh, at that time, civilians all had access to the same weapons as the government had. And also you had um, what a lot of people don't understand is you didn't have the government and the military versus the people. We didn't really have a standing military. The people were the military. It was private citizens who, who either purchased firearms themselves or purchased firearms for others. <laughs> it was private citizens. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so the people would come together to form a militia. And that's why it says, you know, for for the uh, the specific wording of the Second Amendment mentions, mentions the militia, and that was the people. Now we have uh, things have evolved from there, where we have uh, the National Guard, which is federally controlled, federally funded, federally uh, um, equipped, which is a different. I'm kind of getting off track here, but there is a difference between in the wording, the legal wording. Uh, between the militia and between troops because people tell you the national guard is the militia being talked about there but actually the national guard today would fall under that legal definition of troops and not militia <clears throat> yeah so so to to get back to the origin and that is that is an important distinction to the militia means private citizens not not a standing military there's a very very important distinction there um but yeah, to get back to the question there of where should the line be drawn as far as what what should a a private citizen have access to? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I I think there I think there's going to be a lot of natural self regulation there. Where okay, most people aren't going to go out and buy you know tanks and and airplanes. <laughs> most people won't. Some will. Some some do Florida already. Man. Florida man. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think what Thomas is getting at is there's a there's a financial constraint right, there, there for is, some of these. Who can nobody can afford a you know a, a two billion dollar fighter plane <laughs> or a nuclear weapon. The and the people that could they they kind of already do. <laughs> you know, they're they're uh, they're your elected officials and um, uh, you know other other uh, people in other governments. You know, people like Putin and and uh, President Xi of China. Um, you know, those are the those are the people that already have the bad the big bad weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's it's kind of like they're while we may not have any enemies right now that that scale um of of uh you know the the need for weaponry i suppose falls on the government right now um Mm -hmm. it there's there's an impractical you know for for the for the general public you know if somebody felt like if somebody felt like they they needed a tank to protect their life or property um you know that's that's kind of up to them in my opinion um, it's, it, it seems, it seems a little, you know, to, to us, um, it would seem a little, uh, out of proportion, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but to them, it, it may be completely logical. Right. So you let's know, say if, maybe if you're, you're, you know, some 
uh, and, and these exist, <laughs> let's say you're some Christian militia in Africa where you know you're you're being attacked regularly by local warlords and you guys decide to get your own tank <laughs> you know yeah so they, thing. so they don't <laughs> to, to protect you and your community down. right like that's that's a thing <laughs> well let's turn the yeah. corner and kind of go into the more practical things associated with having a gun using a gun um, and talk about let's talk about like the average person for example, I don't know if I'm the average person, probably not, but my best gun is a gun I bought 25 years ago out of a barrel and a used gun shop, I meaning in a gun shop, it was a used uh, single shot shotgun. And I think in a barrel, they had all these um, shotguns. And I think there was like a tag, I paid 25 bucks on, for mine. I think they were all real, you know, priced similarly. Um, and so... You know what? Uh, let's say someone's listening and they're convinced um, they want to be um, kind of step it up and be more involved with guns, or maybe they don't even have a gun at all, and they would like to kind of get started. Um, let's talk about like just the most practical, basic, easy, um, but responsible way to get started with gun ownership. Um, what should they start with? Um, how, what do they need to learn? And uh, things along that line. I'd, I'd say um, start with something that you can afford um, that, it, that, that is at your comfort level, okay. um, if that makes sense. Um, if you feel like, you know, you're, you're, you're worried about, um, protecting yourself and your family at home, um, you know, maybe having a um, having a rifle or you know maybe a, a higher capacity shotgun um, would you know would be in order. Or you know if you're wanting to uh, carry a handgun with you when you're out or you know in your vehicle uh, when you're away from home, um, you know it's it's really about most people um, have a couple hundred in savings and that's about it, you know? So if you're going to buy one, you need to think about the, um, the application, mm -hmm. um, for, for what you're going to be, what you're going to be doing with it, you know, as, as well as taking into account the cost of, uh, ammunition and, uh, you know, for practice and things like that. Um, so, but I, I'd say for most people, um, if, if you if you have any any inkling at all to um, uh, carry it on your person, um, and you're only going to get one, you definitely need to start with a handgun. So mm -hmm. that and there's there's a wide range <laughs> of uh, of options, um, you know, varying uh, varying capacity, uh, caliber, um, and uh, size, and and uh, you know, functionality, um, all things that you need to consider kind of based on, on your comfort, um, and, um, you know, your, your level of training and attentiveness to that. But I will say once you, once you have it, you're going to think about it a lot more. Um, and it, you know, it's going to become just like, you know, when you first got your, you didn't think about the street signs when you were a kid, you know, you, 
when you first got your driver's license, then you started thinking about all these other things. Oh, I got to buy gas. Oh, I got to get insurance. Oh, I've, I've got to, um, you know, I've, I've got to put oil in the car, you know, things like that, that, you know, if you, if you forget, you know, if you're not being responsible with some of those things, um, you know, you, you, you kind of have some, some poor outcomes. Um, it's a little more serious with a firearm, you know, you don't want to leave it out where there's little children, things like that, um, that are common sense, but you know, you, you only start thinking about it on that level once you've, um, once you've got it in your possession. Um, so, but, but definitely, um, you know, follow state guidelines regarding proper storage. Um, uh, that's, that's a consideration. And if you're at a, um, a gun store, um, you know, in, in your low, you know, your local area, um, those, those kind of things, you know, legally can be cleared up for you pretty easily. You know, do I have to have a gun safe? Um, things like that. Um, so that's, that's one thing I'll say, um, and, and preparation and just do a little research. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, online reviews of, of anything you can think of. <laughs> um, there's probably multiple videos about it, um, you know, from a couple minutes to half an hour um, on, you know, whatever it is you're thinking about buying. Um, so yeah, it, it really, you know, if you're, if you're ready to take the next step um, and, you know, whether it's buying your first firearm um, or, you know, upgrading your capability um, to a more practical or easy to use or higher capacity firearm, um, then, um, yeah, just take a minute to do some research. And I would suggest something that is commonly available as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, So the first thing I would say definitely is arm yourself with information. That's Mm -hmm. knowledge is power. (laughs) It's cliche, but it's true. Arm yourself with information here. Um, and that's, so what I would prefer to recommend rather than, um, specific firearms is, is resources to learn. Um, one of the really, really probably best resources that I can think of, um, would be the U S CCA. Uh, they are an advocacy group, uh, for, uh, concealed carry firearms, uh, within the U S and that, that lifestyle, um, they put out so much good information uh, at every level from, okay, I'm brand new to guns. I don't know anything. What do I need to know? All the way up to, okay, um, I've been, you know, carrying a firearm for the past 20 years. Uh, what are some some little things to up my game a little bit as far as, um, you know, being responsible, being efficient? Um, you know, how do I train? All that stuff. They, they have a magazine, they have a website, they write great articles. So I would highly, highly, highly recommend uh, USCCA. They're awesome. A um, couple of others. So one, one, another one that comes to mind um, uh, is Warrior Poet Society um, with John Lovell. Uh, he's, a, he's a great guy, puts out great information um, about personal defense and personal responsibility with, with defense. Um, and he, he does a good job of breaking things down of, okay, um, yes, you should probably get a firearm, but that's not the first step. You should think about other things of, okay, you know, be, be more aware of your surroundings, you know, um, lock your doors. (laughs) There's a progression uh, to follow. Uh, there's a lot that you can do to protect yourself and your family before getting a firearm. So work on those things in steps and just 
improve a little bit. <laughs> um, he's he's a, another great resource. Um, I would I would say be careful because there's a lot of information out there. A lot of people running their mouths, <laughs> giving bad advice. Unfortunately, um, you know there's there's a lot of or trying to sell you right, something. or trying to sell you something. So be be warned that there are people like that that are going to try and take advantage of you or or just say stuff that that's you know there's a lot of misinformation. So be careful. Um, but all that being said, um, one uh, uh, as far as specific tools, specific weapons, um, AR-15 pattern rifles are extremely popular for a reason. So there was a, a, a lady, I, I don't remember her name or what year this was, but she was testifying before Congress uh, about firearms. And uh, she was talking about taking her grandmother, uh, taking her shooting. And, you know, her grandmother's, you know, in her 70s or something. Uh, and she said, OK, I, I, I had her try and use a handgun at, you know, moderately close range. So, you know within a room of a building that that type of, of distance you know out on a range uh, with a handgun and she uh she struggled to land a single round on on a paper plate sized target uh, at at you know with not not quite spitting distance a little further than that but it was it was very difficult for her to control the recoil um to aim properly uh with a handgun and this is with no training whatsoever then she handed her an, a- an AR15 pattern rifle and she was able to land every single round consistently on target with no training whatsoever. Um, that speaks volumes. AR-15 style mm-hmm. rifles are very, very engineered <laughs> and designed to be useful to people with minimal training. So um, if it's it's great to invest in something you know if you can only get one weapon it's great to get one you know that you can conceal and carry with you so you have it always but as far as ease of use if you can if you can only have one um and maybe for your job wherever you work you're not allowed to carry one for whatever reason um if you had to be in a situation where you had to use it you would be so much better off with with an ar-15 pattern rifle probably um, because it's just so much easier to control uh, they're so easy to use. They're so easy to learn to use. They're very, um, they're very intuitive. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would make the same comparison too. I would say an AR-15 is better for home defense than a shotgun as well, for mm-hmm. the same reason of, of recoil and making follow-up shots. Uh, yeah, if I had to recommend just one gun for home defense, it would be an AR-15 and uh, or a similar rifle. Um, and yeah, I was you do have to think about your context, you know, am I getting something just for home defense or am I getting something I'm going to carry as well? Um, and I would say, yes, definitely find out about your state's concealed carry laws. Um, if you have a local gun range, well, like if depending on your state, um, you may have to take a class to, uh, be able to carry. And I think that is a great idea. If you can take a class to learn how to use a prop firearm properly and safely, Safety is the biggest thing, really. Learning how to use, you know, and uh, store a firearm safely. Uh, definitely take a class if you can. Um, uh, but even if you can't, inform yourself. <laughs> yes, and there, there are so many other ways to inform yourself, whether it's through books, whether it's through uh, YouTube. There are so many good YouTube gun channels. Uh, there's so much you can learn. Um, and, yeah, uh, so... 
definitely educate yourself, but I would recommend a, a handgun or an AR-15 uh, if, as your first gun. Um, you, you don't have to, but like you could start somewhere smaller, more comfortable or cheaper. But if you're just going to get one gun, you know, start with one of those. <clears throat> and, and the, the thing about this, especially if it's, it's not something that you've grown up around, let's say you've, you've grown up, uh, in, in a, a subculture where you don't talk about firearms, you don't know much of anything about firearms. All you know is, is what you see on TV, whatever. The most important thing probably is, is to inform yourself. Um, as with anything, uh, you, because personal responsibility is huge and for you to be properly responsible, you have to be informed. So, um, I cannot emphasize enough. <laughs> Liberty is great, but it, it requires responsibility. So, mm-hmm. um, you, in fact, I can't remember who said it or, or how the quote goes exactly, but, uh, one of our founding fathers was talking about, um, our system of government, uh, for people to be this free and to be self-governed like this, they must be, uh, they must be educated and they must be moral. Um, otherwise it doesn't work. And, and with firearms, again, you have to be educated and you have to be moral. Otherwise it would, it would be better if you didn't have it. Um, so educate yourself, (laughs) be informed. You don't know what you don't know until you know it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they say, you know, knowing is half the battle. Uh, but, uh, after you know, you know, you should also practice and train with your firearm, you know, so that you can be effective with it. You, you should, when your life is in danger, should not be the first time you have ever shot your firearm. You know, you should, uh, train and practice and make sure that you can, uh, be effective with it under pressure. Um, and there are lots of good resources for that, but, uh, right. And this is again, so something, uh, like USCCA, they'll, they'll talk about that progression of, okay, you need to start out with, you just need to get used to firing a gun. It's loud. It's, there's some amount of recoil depending on what you have. It's, it's kind of scary. <laughs> you know, if, if this is your first time, you know, using a firearm, you have to get, you have to progress past that point. And then you work up to, okay, you know, how, how accurately can I shoot this and then move that up to, okay, can I, can I use this under stress? Um, which is something, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot to train up through here, but the thing is, it, it, the thing is progression, having, having a positive trajectory of just working to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I can imagine that a lot of people who might be interested in getting a gun, few of them are going to be interested in carrying it around everywhere they go, I imagine. But, um, it is interesting the the idea of carrying a gun, and one of the questions I've often had is um, what um, mental what mental preparations do you have when it comes when you're carrying a gun? For example, when um, something happens unexpectedly, um, it's not you know there's not time to kind of um, you know, stand there and deliberate, you know, is this the time to draw my gun? Is it not, uh, you know, that's uh, the time for making a quick uh, call. So are there particular principles involved when you're carrying a gun that you've thought through or scenarios about uh, this is when I go into action, this is when I I don't and uh, or other kind of things that might come up when you're carrying a gun? Um, 
I think one of the man, it's kind of a, a, a big question, but uh, there's a good principle, I guess, would be it's like our lives being threatened is my life or someone else's life, you know, being threatened. And uh, sometimes it, there are situations where, yeah, pulling a gun is probably not the best idea. Um, uh, also, they're just kind of scenarios that, that we know happen or like maybe there's scenarios you have in mind specifically for that would make you want to carry a gun. And that's happened with a lot of people after being in a situation or some scenario, they decided, I don't want this to ever happen again, you know, so I'm going to carry. Um, hmm. So sometimes you already have those scenarios in your mind. It's like, this is what, this is why I carry a gun so that this doesn't happen. So if there, someone tries to like me or, or if, you know, someone tries to steal, you know, our car or break into our house. Like, so mentally you might already be prepared or thinking about those scenarios or, you know, if someone wants to bust in our church and, or something like that and try to kill people. Um, but also, um, yeah, besides just already having, there may be the scenarios you think of, and there's plenty you don't think of, uh, um, that's something you also just kind of have to do some research on too. Um, there is a YouTube channel I really like called uh, Active Self Protection, and in, they he goes over a lot of self defense scenarios and a lot a lot of just stuff caught on uh, security cameras, whether it be you know robberies or uh, police interactions or uh, whatever it is, and kind of analyze you know what did the defender here do right or wrong because a lot of people do make mistakes when they're trying to defend themselves or trying to defend others. Um, and so stuff like that is good to educate yourself on, uh, you know, when is it proper to pull a weapon and what are the proper ways to use it in that situation or scenario? That's just something that you, uh, you, you do have to read up on and look into. Right. So they're, they're, Go ahead. I was going to say there is kind of a mental chess game you play. Um, you know, you you do find yourself being more aware of your surroundings and a safer person in general when you feel confident that you can protect yourself. You know, whether you've whether you've taken some some martial arts um, or you know some firearm training. Um, you know, just just uh, things you um, you know you you start to be a little more aware of. Um, lines of sight and things like that, you know, where, where your exits are and, you know, if you're trying to get you or your family to safety, um, it, you know, in, in the case of, you know, it's like every time you go to a restaurant, usually the attack happens at the register, you know, give me all your money, um, you know, put, put the money in the bag and a you know, guy's got a gun or a knife. Um, you know, that, that may be an instance where, you know, if I'm with my family, we're going to decide to flee and just, just completely remove ourselves from the situation. Um, you know, if it's, if I'm, if I'm by myself and I'm nearby, I may, I may feel a little different, you know, it's like people's lives are being threatened and I know the police are at least several minutes away. Um, you know, there's, there's kind of a, an option there and, you know, you're, you're, um, you know, the, the scenario changes, um, you know, based on your own variables and, 
there's nothing wrong with, you know, feeling like, okay, I'm gonna, um, you know, I'm gonna flee this situation, you know, to keep myself safe. Um, but there's also, you know, me personally, I feel, I feel a moral obligation, kind of a responsibility to, uh, react with an equal amount of force. You know, if the, if it is deadly force being employed against innocent people, um, or, you know, let's say somebody's, um, shooting people at the mall or wherever there's a, you know, huge crowd or gathering, um, I'm, I'm, I may be the only person besides, you know, law enforcement that's several minutes away. Uh, I may be the only person that's responsibly armed that can deal with that threat. And so me being a lover of, of life, um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I can to, to save somebody else's life that's innocent. Um, I'm, you know, more likely to, you know, based on my situation, I'm more likely to go confront that deadly threat, um, with, you know, my own, uh, deadly, you know, equal, hopefully greater (laughs) deadly threat, usually not. Um, but, uh, um, and, and, you know, counter ambush some sort of, uh, violent perpetrator. Um, so that's, that's a, that's kind of on another level. Um, just, just not that, not that I am somehow legally responsible, um, for other people. Um, but you know, I, I do have, uh, kind of a sense of responsibility that, you know, if somebody's robbing a bank, whatever, like it's probably not going to hurt anybody just, you know, wants to, wants to wave a gun around to, you know, as a display of force, um, you know, same, same thing with, you know, maybe a restaurant, um, you know, some other cash register, you know, gas station, they're, they're probably going to get away with it. You can, you know, they get the money, they eventually get caught by the police. Um, but you know, if they're, if, if they don't, there's mechanisms in place, um, you know, to, to recover that lost or damaged property. So that's kind of uh, what but I was, in the case of, I'm sorry in the case of somebody's life being in danger, you know, that's, that's where the moment you, you have to, des- you have to decide beforehand that when you see somebody's life is in danger, you're going to act. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's, that's kind of a mental decision that you've got to make. Um, so, but then when you, when you're presented with um, that scenario in real life, you know, in real time, that's you know those variables kind of need to be weighed but if you've if you've run that through your head you know a couple times before like johnny thomas was saying um you know you've you've seen some instances of um or you know some uh some examples of of responsible use of force um in those situations you know you you can kind of kind of frame your response um around that yeah, but, so I was um, going to bring that up. So gun use, what we're, we're talking about protecting life. Um, legally, we don't have uh, the right to protect property with gun use. Is that true or am I off base That there? depends on where you're at. Okay. Those, those laws depend. So uh, one, one example would be uh, Castle Doctrine. And that's the idea that uh, if somebody enters your property – um, your your castle, your domain, without, um, your without your permission, uh, and as far as you know, they are entering with with uh, malicious intent. Um, 
legally they've they've forfeited their right. Uh, they, they've they've forfeited their life. Now that doesn't mean you you must or should you know end their life, but it means they've they've chosen to cross a very serious line. Now that's not that those laws change depending on where you are. So knowing knowing your your state or region's laws are very important. Um, but that's that's an example of uh, castle doctrine where okay somebody has entered your home um, with malicious intent they've they've forfeited their their right to live um, or or to not be harmed uh, at at very least that's one example um, but uh, a general a general rule uh, and this is oftentimes law in in places with self-defense uh the question that's asked afterwards is okay the threat was it imminent and was it unavoidable Hmm. so when this is let's let's say you know the smoke clears whatever's happened you know you're before a jury um that's that's the question that they're going to be asking was this threat imminent was was something bad gonna happen in the first place um, or was something bad already happening, and, and was it unavoidable? Like, could you have run away? Could you have gotten away? Um, whatever. Or do you, or or do you have reason to believe that you know within with within a reasonable doubt that you were in danger, or you know any of the above? Right. If that makes sense. So not not sure after the fact. You know, same thing with a car accident. You could be like, well, you could have swerved, or you you could have. Uh, you could have hit the gas and dodged out of the way, or you could have hit the brakes or, you know, whatever things, things after the fact, people can, you know, in hindsight say, well, it could have been different, but for you, if, if your, you know, reasonable belief, uh, or, you know, if there's a reason, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt in the moment, that's kind of what matters right. more. And, you know, unless of course there's other, um, even though I wouldn't agree with them, you know, if there's other legal parameters involved where did you retreat or, you know, was it in your, um, was it in your home or, or was it an equal or, um, or a, um, responsible escalation of force. And that's going um, to, the legal definitions for that are going to change based on your state. So that's mm-hmm. something where it's, it's, it's important to know, um, what are the actual rules, um, so again, you know, you need to inform yourself. <laughs> um, but to to go back, Will, to your to your earlier question of mindset, um, the mindset that you should have for for personal defense when you're carrying a firearm should be very similar to what it should be just for any person, um, armed or unarmed, who who just wants to be, you know, responsible and protect themselves and their family. <laughs> it should be a very similar mindset of. And the biggest the biggest thing two, two biggest things I would say one. Um, the biggest practical difference is situational awareness. Be aware of what's going on around you, who's around you, you know, where the entrances and exits are in buildings, you know, know what's going on around you. Um, that is the single biggest thing I think, um, as far as mindset is just be aware, you know, so many things happen where, um, you know, people are just oblivious, (laughs) you know, unfortunately. Um, and then the, the next biggest thing from that is, is like, I think Steven mentioned uh, and Johnny as well, do your thinking ahead of time. Um, Mm -hmm. because like, like you were saying, well, you, in that moment, you, you don't so much have time to think, um, whatever, whatever you've done, whatever you've trained, whatever, whatever is in your head is, is going to come out. That's what you're going to do. Um, and you know, we, we have, you know, three, 
responses to, you know, a serious threat. We have a flight response, we have a fight response, and we have a freeze response. Um, unfortunately, what happens is a lot of people freeze <laughs> because we, we haven't, we haven't trained a response to terrible, stressful, horrible things. Um, so when you, when you're, when you're talking about doing your firearms training or whatever, um, you have to train a response to fear and, and not just like, not just like being, you know, your, your blood is up and you're, 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 you know, a little bit stressed, but to, to train a response to fear is, is a good thing to do (laughs) and, and keep your head. Um, but, but do your thinking ahead of time. So, you know, okay, here's, if this line is crossed, here's what I do. If this line is crossed, here's what I do. If this line is crossed, here's what I do. Um, that's not, you're not going to be able to make good decisions in the heat of the moment. So make those decisions ahead of time. Um, do, do you, do your thinking ahead of time? Um, and, and make sure that those, those decisions you make are informed, (laughs) uh, legally and practically. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah. Well, here's definitely the USCCA is still a good resource. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's some practical things. If you're, you know, if you're, if you're in fear for your life or you've got a restraining order against some violent person, um, you know, and you're, you're worried about that. It's like the, that's the situations where, you know, you felt the need to purchase that firearm are already apparent to you. Um, focus on those first Um, because you know if you have a hunch about it that's probably more likely you know if you if you're the person that works at the pizza shop and has to clear out the cash door every friday night um, you know you're a potential easy target um, for somebody you know just walking to your car or driving it to the bank with that you know big pouch of cash Um, you know you're you're somebody that um, somebody who has you know, a, a, a violent perpetrator who has less value for, for human life, you know, over what you have to, you know, offer, um, or, you know, what, whatever reason you have to be victimized for, um, you know, they've, uh, that's, that's something where you've already kind of got the scenario in your head, you know, and you felt like, man, maybe, maybe I should, uh, Maybe I should have an option, a better option to prevent myself from being hurt than just these tennis shoes I'm wearing, you know, <laughs> like I can, what if I can't run, um, you know, or, or, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't ever want to be victimized again in this way. Um, you know, I want to have an option to protect myself. That's, that gives me some distance, you know, against my attacker. Cause that's, you know, a firearm is, is, um, you know, unlike a knife or, you know, even, even some sort of, uh, armor, um, it, it is a defensive tool in that you don't have to shoot it for the situation to be, uh, resolved. Somebody knows, you know, your average person understands when you see a gun, you're going to be like, whoa, okay, this person's serious. I, you know, I have an option to continue my attack or, or flee and most most attackers are looking for an easy target you know and mm-hmm. and so if uh if they you know discover that you're armed <laughs> when it's too when it's too late um most of them uh don't want to continue it's not that valuable to them because even even though your life may be worthless to them compared to you know that nice pair of jordans you got or whatever you know sack of cash they know you're carrying um they're they don't value that thing over their own life so they're gonna typically 
you know, want to flee. Um, that that's kind of, you know, difficult to face your life being threatened. Um, you know, once, once they realize that, um, but you know, if it, it takes that level of you know, deadly force of, you know, for some bad actors to realize that, you know, at that moment, but anyway, yeah, do your thinking ahead of time. Most times you, you think back to, you know, if you have been robbed, you're like, man, if I just had a gun, I, you know, I wouldn't have gotten stabbed or whatever, you know? So those, those kind of things, most people that's, that's already in their mind. Um, it's a, it's, it takes a little bit more brain power to kind of think of the, the chess play of, you know, what if somebody's coming into my house or, you know, maybe you saw something on the news, you know, violent home invasion, you know, three family members killed, whatever, um, that, that kind of thing kind of gets the ball rolling in your mind of, man, that could happen to me. Cause it really, you know, it could, it's, it's, uh, like we talked about earlier, um, there there has been a lot more violence this year. It has been um, sort of overlooked by the authorities um, and given a pass in some instances. Um, so, you know, we we have had the largest amount of uh, new gun owners, like something like seven million um, new gun purchases, uh, just in the year twenty twenty. Um, so those, those were people who had never gotten a, uh, a background check before for purchasing a firearm. So, well, it's been a, a good informative, uh, discussion, maybe just for wrapping up, what are th- your thoughts about what a person as a good citizen should do politically if they believe in this issue and want to protect um, you know, freedom for guns. Um, so whether they're involved with guns or not, they believe in the issue. Are there any just practical things that the common everyday person can do to um, help the political situation to preserve freedoms? Um, whether that be whether that's uh, gaining knowledge or speaking to someone or doing some other kind of political thing. Any thoughts about any of that? I, I personally think just having conversations with people, you know, if you've got a base of knowledge about a, an issue, um, even if it's, you know, even if it's more than zero and there's a zero, you can still, uh, you know, give somebody a, a reasonable perspective um, you know, I think podcasts are great for that. Um, but, uh, but really, you know, if you've got a friend that that's kind of passively like, yeah, I don't know, guns, whatever, you know, what if, what if they take them away? Like, it doesn't affect me. I don't have any guns, but you know, they've got to realize that, that as a, you know, it's an, it's an issue that does affect everybody. Um, because there is already, you know, a preconceived notion, uh, you know, just in the U S from, you know, the criminal element that, Hey, what if this person I'm going to victimize, what if they're armed? Like, what if they have a gun? You know? So once that goes away, you know, that kind of, that kind of changes. Um, but, uh, but anyway, just, just the advocacy advocacy from an individual standpoint is super helpful. I mean, you, you know, you've, you've got, you know, whether it's your friend at work or, you know, a friend at church, you kind of know somebody that's like, for, for you, it's us, you know, we're the, we're kind of the, the, the bulky bros 
they're they're kind of the the gun enthusiasts of of your friend circle maybe there's more um but you know just just having a conversation and talking common sense about it um you know just just being somebody that you know isn't isn't uh like on twitter like you're stupid you know <laughs> like just just be um you know if there's somebody in your sphere of influence um that wants to understand you know don't don't uh shove it down their throat but you know if they're asking questions that you have answers for um you know go ahead and and answer it mm-hmm. and you know point people in the direction of of you know good resources uh to learn for themselves as well um you know so and also um giving people good experiences like i've i've done that for a, f- a few people i wish it was more but like hey you're you could be the person that introduces them to their first um you know time at the shooting range like hey or or at least if it's not their first at least a, you know give them a better experience of it you know because before maybe they were younger they were scared they didn't know what was going on but you know you can if you're somebody that is confident and can take away that um you know some of the fear variables for them you know you give them a controlled environment um explain to them you know how you know the the mechanics of of the uh you know firearm what you you know explain to them what you're doing things like that um can go a long way on an individual level um, and i think really um if if things are going to change politically I still think it's going to be on an individual level where people need to understand, you know, what a firearm is, what, you know, what magazine capacity is, what, um, you know, just kind of the common sense of uh, some of the issues that people talk about, Um, you know, what's a so-called gun show loophole or, you know, whatever, Um, what, you know, explain to people that, yeah, we, we have a national uh, background check system already in place. Um, you know, some of the, some of the laws regarding, um, uh, things like ghost guns or homemade self-made firearms. Um, you know, those, there's, there's some hot topics out there. Um, you know, explain the, the efficacy of owning like an AR-15, you know, that most people, most people see, something like that. And they're like, Oh, that's a military style weapon, um, which military style is military the, style just means the weapon is effective. <laughs> yeah. Effective, easy to use, easy to train. Um, but yeah, anyway, just, you know, if you, if you've got a base of knowledge about something, you, you can share that with somebody that wants to know. Um, and if you're somebody that they trust or respect, then there you, you go, you've got, um, uh, another level of advocacy there. And, you know, most, most people seem to think that, you know, if you, you own a gun, you're some, you're some, you know, weird white supremacist, redneck, whatever they want to say, you know, you're, you're some pariah of society. And, you know, if people start to realize, you know, Thomas as a normal guy, I mean, he's, he's not, he's not a crazy lunatic or will, you know, he's, he's a normal, you know, just, just a good family man that wants to be responsible and keep his family safe. Like it's, it's about that being, you know, kind of, um, creating a a positive uh, culture around. Exactly. Right. And, and destigmatize them. So I, I would summarize it as, um, be informed, 
have informed conversations and uh, don't vote for or support people who advocate bad policy. <laughs> that would that would certainly help. Yeah. Anything else, Johnny? Um, yeah, I would totally agree with everything Stephen said. And just like I remember, we went to the farm or whatever, and and some of my our relatives or cousins or whatever were like scared of my guns, but then after a while we were able to build up some confidence and they shot them and they're like, Hey, this is actually pretty cool. You know, I think we just, we need to, uh, build kind of a positive culture around guns, which, um, would help in in different ways, you know, would help people be informed, you know, not be as fearful. And, uh, also just, uh, it kind of goes back to, you know, I don't want to say this. Uh, if you view guns positively um, instead of negative and gun owners yeah. positively. Yeah. Like we need to, to do that and just have guns be a positive thing. They don't have to be a negative thing. Um, and, and we can't, we, it can't, we don't have to let it be just the bad guys thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, just educating or, or the cops, thing. educating people. Yeah. And, uh, and giving them those experiences and, uh, you know, making a, a positive culture. And that's really the, the most important thing. Your laws aren't going to make people act, you know, the right way. What's, what's really, we really need to have a society and a culture that is moral. Um, so all right. right. Or takes responsibility for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Stephen, Thomas, and Johnny. Appreciate the conversation and appreciate, I think it was really good. So thank you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. On. This is, this is hey, great. Thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, I, I totally wish I could be there in person. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. All right. You guys take care. Thank you. Will. You too. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.